Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. With me on the podcast today, I have Brandon Getchell and John Keeley from Tierra Distilling Company. And uh, Brandon is essentially employee number one, and John is employee number two. That's kind of the way uh, that they told me to best describe their roles uh, there at Tierra Distilling. Uh, but no, this was a super fun conversation. Um, I've, I've mentioned it a few times in the past with some guests, but you start talking to some people um, and there's a pretty um, instant connection and chemistry uh, in terms of, of how the conversation is going to flow. And uh, this was certainly one of them. So it was certainly enjoyable talking to these two guys and hearing their stories, um, you know, how they decided to, you know, open and start a distilling um, company, uh, which focuses on <clears throat> distill, excuse me, excuse me, ugh distilling whiskeys and brandies and uh you know they get into um you know kind of really the the ins and outs of it what it took how long it took to get to where they're at um and this is as you hear the story uh it's certainly um a story of perseverance uh for these two guys and some of the uh, obstacles that they had to overcome throughout the course of uh, trying to get this thing up and going. Um, they're getting very close now to actually opening their doors uh, just in the greater Chicagoland area there. And uh, it's it's super cool to see, um, you know, what a little bit of grit, um, you know, and kind of that never quit attitude can do because, you know, these are our two buddies who, you know, have, have a dream, ha- had have a dream, and to see it, you know, really come to fruition is uh, is pretty cool. Um, and I think I kind of mentioned it during the episode, but it's it's stories and it's conversations like this. Um, I think that motivate. Well, I know that motivate me, but I think 
Um, certainly probably motivate a lot of you listeners out there who maybe are, uh, you know, wanting to, to start something, uh, of your own or have an idea or a vision. Um, you know, these are the, the types of conversations that I think certainly help, um, continue to, to push you down that path. Uh, you know, along with obviously, uh, the company and, the, the distilling and, and everything that brought them there, we also get to talk about, uh, the unique, um, path that they are taking um, in terms of the the fruits uh, and grains that they are using for their distilling, um, you know how they're trying to take a, a conservation ethic and mindset into um, you know choosing those, um, trying to create less waste or use some of these fruits and grains that may otherwise be disposed of that are still perfectly fine, um, and really trying to kind of lessen the footprint uh, in that regard as well. So. Uh, episode 93, Tierra Distilling Company. Uh, enjoy. Uh, before that, though, I want to take a minute to tell you about my friends over at Stone Glacier. Um, I mean, what can I say about Stone Glacier that I haven't already said before? Um, head over to stoneglacier.com. Check out all the the packs, the, the technical outerwear, the base layers, the sleep systems. Uh, they've got a ton of, of super cool just... You know, kind of everyday wear, hats and t-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that. Uh, be sure to check it out. Uh, also, download the Stone Glacier app where you're going to um, stay up to date on all of the latest um, offerings and whatnot. Um, and films, a lot of films that they've dropped as well. Uh, so, head over to StoneGlacier.com. All right. I'd like to welcome into the podcast today from 2% Certified Tierra Distilling. Employee number one and employee number two, Brandon Getchell and John Keeley. Guys, how are you today? Doing well, thanks. Doing really well. How are you, Marcus? No, I'm good. Uh, obviously, we've had a, a few minutes to to kind of catch up and uh, get to know each other a little bit. So I'm uh, I'm certainly excited uh, for this conversation, and not only that, but uh, to kind of hear the story because you guys are the first people, uh, the first company that I've had on the podcast. Um, that is, you know, kind of in this market, uh, you know, let's just call it alcohol, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is, yep. but, um, but distilling. Um, so no, I'm, I'm certainly excited to, to hear more about the company. We're excited to be here. We, thanks for having us on. Yeah, no, I know you guys got a ton going on, so I'm glad we can make the time here. So before we kind of get into the company and, and conservation and the outdoors and all that stuff, um, why don't you guys take a minute and just kind of tell me about yourselves and, you know, how the two of you came together and, and started and became business partners and all that stuff. Yeah, happy to do it. Um, so the, the background on, on us um, and, the, and the company itself is um, first sort of many, many years ago, uh, I'd call it the 2009, 2010 era. Um, I had started dabbling with uh, doing a little bit of home experimentation, we'll call it, on the fermentation <laughs> side to sort of play it safe. Um, I read an article about Tito Beveridge, um, who's the, uh, the founder of, of Tito's Vodka in a Delta magazine. And uh, that was my sort of aha moment that, holy cow, there's this whole thing outside of, of brewing and winemaking that, you know, you can do and it's distilling. And so... I got to work in my basement experimenting with malting grains and making basically every mistake in the book that you can make. I built a small set of equipment in my, in my basement and kind of tinkered away. 
and that was the, the, the seed sort of for at some point in the future, I want to do this professionally. Um, and it was, it was that sort of uh, understanding that there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of um, variations to explore in distilling. It's a very uh, artistic endeavor as well as being a very scientific endeavor. It's a science at its heart. Um, so that was the start of it for me. Fast forward several years later, um, 2018, um, John and I had known each other for a long time from our, from our early days in healthcare IT, and um, we'd stayed in touch. And in 2018, I moved to Chicago in that area with my family, and he um, came to visit, and we spent some time talking about healthcare IT ventures and what it would look like to start a consulting company. And Barf. we spent two hours <laughs> running through all these things. We had some good ideas, but at, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, but is that really what you want to do? And um, uh, both of us uh, kind of said no. And I said, well, let me tell you about this thing that um, I've been working on. And, and I incorporated Tierra Distilling, you know, only a couple of months before um, and was going to start to make it much more um, of, a, of a focus of mine. And I said, what about this? Is, 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 how does this sound? Because um, John's, a, you know, John's great for, for those that, haven't met him. He's extremely smart, extremely hardworking, and just a good person. And so, you know, I knew this is somebody I want to work with. How can I kind of make that happen? And, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest and say, I've had many of this version of the conversation with other friends, but the difference was, was with John was the follow through. And, and I, so he said, yeah, sure. Send me your business plan. I'm interested. And so I sent him a business plan. And within, I would say two days, he had notes on my business plan. And he had ordered a, a small distilling setup uh, for his home so he could start experimenting. And so I was like, okay, that's the difference. He's like committed to this. He likes this. He's interested in it. He's dedicated to it. And that was from day one. And so that was um, the, the really um, start of, of what current iteration of Tierra Distilling Company is and how we got from kind of this idea and this, this, this you know, twinkle in, in my eye, if you will, um, to a uh, the, the modern version of what the company is now with a real focus on, you know, as the, as the name uh, sort of lends itself earth or, or land, um, this, this, this conservation, this eco-friendly bend toward making spirits and, and making products that we enjoy, but also, you know, sort of doing good and, and doing well by the world. Yeah. <clears throat> John, what about you? I mean, what did, I mean, it sounds like you guys are both in the uh, IT healthcare profession I mean, John, what was it that, I mean, aside from that, John, I mean, what did your journey look like up to the point of, you know, like, like 2018 when you guys decided to, you know, really give this thing a go? Sure. It was, uh, for me, it was, you know, we, so we met each other. Um, we both started in sort of the same hiring class at this healthcare IT company up in Wisconsin. So we were, you know, immediately sort of in the same group and with 20 or 30 other people. And Brandon was one out of that group. We, we would go hang out and go have drinks and stuff and, you know, uh, socialize and whatever. But Brandon was one that was like quickly like this is a guy that I can actually talk to and like relate to. A lot. There was a lot of interesting folks and wonderful people up there. But, you know, it was Brandon and I became quick friends like we we sort of had similar backgrounds with you know just sports and stuff in high school and 
and just uh, a similar mentality with a, lo- a lot of things. So, you know, we became really great friends at, you know, when we lived in Wisconsin, I, I had a, a house on a lake and he kept his boat at my house and it was a wonderful mutual. <laughs> that was the first <laughs> yeah. business partnership we had. Exactly. Yeah. I'll get the lift. And <laughs> worked out beautifully. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, um, I left Wisconsin, uh, I was like 2013, moved down to Arizona for a year just to, to check out Phoenix and whatever. And, I was doing a, a crappy work from home job that was like project management. Just didn't have, didn't care about it at all. Um, and kind of, I, I switched over into consulting for, uh, on the IT side again, doing some of that same software and stuff. But I get, like Brandon said, we, we kept, we kept in close contact. You know, we were, we were always um, close and it was again, that phone call that, I was, I was driving, I think I had moved back to Iowa at that point and was living, um, you know, in this farmhouse out in the country, pretty close to, to Dan Johnson actually. And he called me, he's like, Hey, I got this idea about potentially, and he, you know, we, we were both in the consulting world at that point about opening this company that would be, you know, I, not to delve into the details, but, uh, a, an excellent idea for, a consulting firm that would kick ass and make a lot of money and be very useful for organizations. So I'm like, okay, let me, I mean, you know, tell me your pitch. And Brandon's always been super entrepreneurial. Like I, that's, it's one thing that maybe doesn't come off as, you know, he's always got ideas. He's always uh, very creative and, and sort of wanting to, you know, push the boundaries a little bit on um, a lot, you know, several different things, but, the distilling piece was always, I, I knew he was doing it. I'd had his whiskey. It was awesome. You know, I, I, we, I had seen his process of making some of his equipment and everything like that. So I, it was, you know, it was a, a really cool thing to me, very interesting, but hadn't really taken the leap on it for myself anyway. But we, you know, we had this conversation. I, I came over to visit him and the, the kids and everything over here and um, in Illinois. And we, like Brandon said, we had that conversation. It was, two or three hours of like, we could, we could kill this. We could do an amazing thing with this consulting firm. And, but it, it was the, like, are we into this? Like, is it, is it something that we want to do? And for me, like right away, I'm like, I, I, I mean, it pays the bills and it, it's fine, but like, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. So that's when like, okay, what else is going on? And, you know, Tierra was, was very much in its infancy there, but, you know, I knew a lot about the process or a lot about what, what Brandon had been working on with all this stuff. And I'm like, I can definitely get on board with something like that. Like I, the science, the, just, I mean, the, the industry itself, you know, like we, we enjoy our drinks and of course, like, why not get into something like that? And like Brandon said, like when, when that sort of, it was the the aha for me, like, okay, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to, I'm going to learn everything I can about this process, these products, the, the science, the, all the, the cool nuances and like the creativity that can be in, like, like Brandon said, there's, there's so much opportunity out there if you just want to go after it. I mean, you think about like the craft beer market right now and and how much, 
that's blown up in the last, you know, 10, 15 years and all the different nuances with all those, you know, things that are coming out like that. That's, it's the exact same thing. Like you can have that opportunity in the spirits industry. Um, You can, you can go off on your own path and, and see what works. So again, I mean, to, to circle back, like once that, once that kicked off and sort of my, the light bulb for me, jumped off i'm like yeah let's do this i'm gonna jump in i again i dug myself in and uh basically i was i was still living in iowa but you know the idea was like chicago suburbs are a great place for obviously i mean like there's a lot of people a lot of the demographic here is is um perfect for a place that we're we're gonna open so you know the focus was let's let's get something in the chicago suburbs that's that's going to work and then you know i moved over in uh 2019 i think it was and got over here in illinois and then we found our building in late 2019 and we finally bought it in 2020 so middle of 2020 yeah right right (laughs) in the heart of times so yeah i mean it was it was kind of a not to be too long-winded but you know just like dive in and i trust Brandon and uh, you know, everything lined up and like, yeah, hell yeah, let's, let's go for this. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, it's got to help to, you know, when, when you've got, you know, a trusted friend, you know, John, in this case, you know, Brandon being your trusted friend, you know, you've known him for a long time. Um, you know, the type of person that he is, and then he wants to, or he kind of pitches you on this idea. Right. And, you know, seeing his passion, like, I mean, it's the same way for me. Like if I have a friend who is super passionate about something and it doesn't take long for me to to want to learn more, to want to get excited about it too, because I see how excited they are. You know, obviously their well-being, their happiness is important to me as a friend or a family member, whatever the case is. And it's amazing how quickly that can snowball, right? And then, you know, John, on your side, uh, you know, for Brandon, where, you know, you took this seriously, you know, you decided to, uh, you know, make notes on the business plan you followed up immediately you started you know really diving into it like you know you would want your business partner to do and it's amazing what happens when there's that you know that that positivity that energy on both sides and you know i mean those those are the types of things that you know from afar or you know listening to your story i mean those are cool things i mean even though i you know the 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 space that i operate in is in no way shape or form related to distilling or anything like that, but it gets me excited, right? Hearing other people excited about what they do and passionate about what they do. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that, that positivity is certainly contagious. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, adding, adding fuel to the fire that really, you know, gets it, gets it to, you know, to the boiling point to, to do a distillation little pun there, but yeah, I got it. I got it. (laughs) So you guys said you bought a building in, uh, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic in 2020 there. So what are you guys working on with this building now? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So we, we, our, our journey to find a building was, was, a, was a long one. And, and, you know, it's a, um, it's, it's, and that is pretty standard in the industry, right? Like for, for craft distilleries, I mean, the build out process and finding the right spaces is really important. And, and I think, doubly so for us one of the important decisions that we made early on you know we kind of shopped around for a lease and we looked around for 
these these places that you know are more what I would call quote unquote traditional locations for these types of outfits, which are in industrial parks and manufacturing places where the zoning is already you know set up. Right. One of the things that that we did, um, and and we kind of stumbled into this building that was on the on one of the suburban downtown areas along the commuter train uh, rail. We, which we ended up not getting that building. Somebody came in and bought it out from us. We had put an offer in, thank goodness. And yeah, and, and we were, I mean, you know, at the time we were really, really bummed, but that was early 2019. We put a lot of effort into it and started to think through plans and things like that. And that kind of got snatched out from under us with a, an all cash offer in the suburbs, you know, um, some of that, that money we're competing with came in. So we kind of revamped our search said, all right, let's start from scratch. But we knew we wanted to be in a downtown area. We knew we wanted to be um, walkable. We knew we wanted to be along the commuter trail train line. And, and this sort of idea of like, let's make ourselves accessible. Let's make ourselves visible. Let's, and then we'll figure out the zoning and the build out and the infrastructure and all that stuff after the fact. Sort of take that model of building an industrial park and flip it on its ear and say, let's do it the other way. Let's make it easy for people to find us. And so that was part of our criteria. And, and it was funny because we looked through, that's one of the things, you know, I come from a small town in Wisconsin. John comes from a small town in Iowa. And like, when you, when you come from small towns, there's like three buildings in town that, you know, fit the criteria. And so it's like, well, if it's not that one, what are you going to do? And I think that's the nice part about being in a bigger, a bigger Metro, which is, you know, we went through a list of, I think 150 locations and properties. And we said, all right, let's, let's review them independently. And we went through it. And I think we had like, four or five that, that we both circled that were the same. And so we said, let's go look at those. And the one that, that we both like really liked was top of our, our pick. We sent to our agent and she said, Oh, actually, you know, that's a mistake that shouldn't be on this list. Um, it, it's been, it's been mistakenly listed as for sale for a long time. Don't worry about that one. And we kind of were, again, pretty bummed out but something didn't feel right and so i called the listing agent that was on there directly kind of bypassed our agent and he goes yeah actually this just went back on the market like last week this would be a really great property and so you know that kind of uh fortuitous event that that lined us up with what now is our building um but but you know that was uh, i think another example of uh you know our partnership and work like, you know, we kind of trust in our gut and working in tandem to find this building that it's a almost a hundred year old, really cool, lots of characteristics building. One of the first ones in Clarendon Hills, which is the, the village that we're located in. Um, at one point in time, it was the village fire department at another point in time. It was the village police department at another point in time. It was um, a, uh, like a like a office business building, so it's got this this really cool history and and, and deep layers to it. And it had been sitting vacant for four or five years. Um, it was basically gutted um, by the the current owners. And so we saw the potential, took it, um, started getting plans made and drawn up. Uh, started working with the village of Clarendon Hills to get our zoning. Um, done so that we could do the light industrial manufacturing that we were looking for. Super important. We weren't ready to buy the building until we had the zoning right. If the zoning doesn't happen, we're, we're sunk. And so we were in the middle of that process of, of having our plans drawn up and zoning getting done. And we just completed zoning. And and that's when we hit March of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That moment that everybody 
in, uh, in, the, in the world knows now, but, you know, COVID kind of came and wrecked us. And at the time, our bank was cool. They said, don't worry about it. We're fine. Let's keep plugging ahead. Um, but by May, they had changed their mind and, um, and pulled our funding. And so for us, we, again, this is another sort of inflection point. It's like, all right, now what do we do? We got this building that we've invested time and energy in the zoning, we've invested time and energy, and we actually had our architectural plans all drawn up and done, which is, you know, a significant investment. And um, we didn't want to lose our, our progress. And so just a, a, another, I think, um, important step and really a time that was really important to have a, a, a business partner. I mean, among a, a lot of other times, but this was an important one where, you know, the sort of collective power of both of us to scrape together all the funds we could to buy this empty building that looked like kind of a piece of garbage <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic year and say, nope, we're going to buy it. I remember uh, the lawyer that helped us do it was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, I I think so. Yeah, we think I so. I think so. But, like, you know, again, we were so Trust your gut. adamant about, you know, this has the elements that we need to be successful. And so we just sat on it for nine months until we found another lending partner. And then our construction started in earnest in the spring, March of 2021. And, again, it was a gutted building. And so it, it needed infrastructure all the way through um, a new a new pan deck and, and steel beam infrastructure, all plumbing, all electrical, all HVAC, and you know with the what we're producing um, with the it's, it's alcohol, the there's a lot of restrictions or you know guidelines not guidelines but just like things that we have to abide by with right. the building code. Codes, codes yeah. and fire codes. Yeah, with like explosion proof stuff. I mean, a lot of that stuff was was has been um, tricky to navigate. I would say just just with like learning the codes and now people interpret codes and stuff like that. So everything you know along the way that we've been putting in there has had to be evaluated, reevaluated, triple reevaluated to make sure that it's going to meet all our codes and our alcohol storage requirements and all that stuff. So it's you know, this this was an empty box, and we are have converted it into a fully functioning, you know, production facility, production facility, explosion proof facility, ADA compliant, like all the you know every nook and cranny that could potentially get dinged. You know, we've we've uh, that's what we've been <laughs> that's what we've been working through. And and to to finish that thought, that you know we're on the we're at the kind of last last little mile here on trimming and, and painting and yeah. and decorating. And so it's, you know, that's been the last year of our lives and we're kind of coming to that point where now we can get back to the fun stuff, right. right. Of thinking about recipes and where we're going to get our rescued fruit from and what kind of grains we're going to use and talking to farmers who are going organic and, and doing really cool things. And so, um, that's, that's again, you know, back to, you know, why we're here and why we're trying to build this business. It's not to do a bunch of paperwork and get zoning passed and find lending. It's to make great products that, you know, people enjoy and that, you know, can also do good and give back to our community and, and, and to, you know, not to be too cheesy, but like to, to the planet, you know, we want to do, do good for, for, for everybody on this. Yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> that's awesome. I mean, that, I mean, that's, that 
kind of in and of itself is is a is a real story of perseverance, right? Because it's almost like at every turn something or someone was trying to, you know, stop you guys from achieving, you know, what you had set out to achieve in, you know, 2019 when you guys first sat down and talked about this. And yeah. I mean, so how close are you guys to to actually finalizing the inside and really being able to to start production on on um, on your products if yeah if, if, if we get all the pieces to fall into place without any major hiccups which you know we're getting better at sort of caveating that stuff <laughs> I, I joke I've been saying realistically like six weeks for the last six months so <laughs> um, but we're looking at me at, at, a, at a real operational um, opening and, and making product and and uh, being open to the public. No, that's great. I mean, that's that's not that far off. So what all products, I mean, I know you guys, um, Brandon, you kind of talked about, you know, being able to, you know, where you're sourcing your grains and your fruit and some experimenting that you're going to do, you're going to be doing. But do you guys have like a, a set list of, of products that you know that as soon as you're able to start producing, like, okay, these are the first ones that are, are coming off the line? Yep. Yeah, we do. So, the first, like the two categories we're focusing on are, are whiskeys, which is kind of a, at this point, a, a pretty tried and true space. We, we enjoy that. We like that. We think there's a lot of, we still think there's a lot of opportunity for innovation in that space. We've got some cool ideas on that front. And then the other big category is brandies. We're very excited about the upside for, for brandies and, and, and these um, fruit based spirits really. And, and for those that you know don't know, whiskeys are grain based. So the, the sugars come from a grain. Brandies are a, a, a fruit fruit based where the sugars come from the fruit um, spirit. And so really that's the primary difference. Um, and we think there's a lot of really um, cool upside with brandies and, and some of the there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what people you know think of when they hear of a brandy some thinks think it's a high-end product some think it's a low-end blackberry brand from the so so there's a, there's a lot of you know um i think education required but those are the, the two main categories and within those we know we want to do an apple brandy that'll be one of our first products we've already got our label designed and made we just need to to, to print that once we get under production we know we want to do a couple variations of a of some specialty malt whiskeys with, with a, a more of a, a bend toward specialty, you know, chocolate and honey and different malts that you might find in beers. And then um, we're, we're probably also going to do some, a couple of liqueurs like a lemon cello. We've got, um, I've got some uh, Italian uh, in, uh, in my family, my wife's family is Italian. So doing a lemon cello is, is on our list. And then um, we want to do a, a coffee liqueur as well. We, we're going to, one of the other elements to our business model is um, coffee. And, and so because of our proximity to the train stop, we have a, we're going to basically use our tasting room as a coffee shop in the, in the off hours where it's, where it's not a, a, a tasting room. And um, so we're, we're getting into the, the coffee space as well. And we'd love to use some of that coffee um, from the cold press to do coffee liqueurs as well. So that's kind of the, the beginning piece, but, uh, the, the, you know, exactly what we're going to make, uh, how, it's, how it's exactly going to be, you know, finished and uh, barrel aged or not, or um, what the percentages for, for alcohol strength are, are sort of, uh, you know, to be determined at this point. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, whiskey, especially, 
um, kind of seems like, I don't know if calling it like the it drink is, is necessarily accurate, but you see more and more people, especially, um, younger crowds, um, drinking whiskey or bourbon, uh, things like that now, as opposed to, uh, you know, vodka and, and, you know, things like that. I mean, they're, I don't know if, what the reason is and, and maybe you guys have seen that, uh, or, you know, maybe that's, that's kind of part of, um, the idea behind wanting to produce brandies and whiskeys, but, you know, brandies, like you said, I, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about brandies. I mean, I, I like whiskey, uh, absolutely, <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I drank uh, a brandy or had any drink that had brandy in it. So what was it about, I guess, those two things that, that made you want to put your, your focus and your emphasis on those? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think your, your brandy take is, is super unique unless you live in Wisconsin <laughs> and you're, you're drinking brandy old fashions like everybody drinks up there, which I was introduced to. And they're, they're, they're not a regular old fashioned, but they're delicious. Um, yeah. I mean, the brandy part of it, uh, a lot of it came around. I mean, I, again, speaking for Brandon, you know, like the opportunity of just, you know, I, to take a step back, like making a whiskey, you basically make a beer that's the whole process is you're breaking down these grains into lesser um, carbohydrates, essentially like make, breaking them down into sugar. So if you think about like making a, you know, cooking oatmeal or something like that, it comes out sweeter because the, the carbohydrates in those grains break down and they become um, edible for the yeast essentially. So that process, to, to do a lot of the grain cooking and a lot of the uh, all that stuff to make a beer, make a whiskey is it's it's somewhat intense, but it's also you know it's pretty straightforward. The brandy part of it, it, you, it the way I really sort of wrap my head around it all is all you're doing is making a hard cider. You're all you're doing is really or making a wine essentially. Most just normal brandy would be grape based, so you take a bottle of wine and you put it through a still and the stuff that's going to come off there, that's, that's brandy. You take a hard cider that you made out of apples and you put that, you run that through the still that's, that's your apple brandy or whatever peach, you know, cherry, we're, we're going to experiment with a lot of different fruits, but the cool part about, and again, part of our mission, um, especially with the fruits is to do it, you know, again, we, you know, focusing on the environment, focusing on being as green as we can with a lot of different variations of what we're putting into this, this building and our processes. But the fruit part of it is there's tremendous waste out there with produce. Produce does not get, you know, if it's sitting on the shelf too long, if it doesn't look pretty, people are not going to buy it. And it, you know, it can get tossed. So we, we have, partnered up with um one of the food markets down in downtown chicago which is awesome they've got you know we've got we've got access to amazing amounts of produce and fruits from all around the world but part of their problem is as well like they get if they get some fruit that is again not up to the standards that the um their customers want to buy it it can get tossed you know so we really want to focus again on some of that fruit is like, let's, let's use that. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's completely edible. It's completely, 
uh, able to con- you know to convert into some delicious booze. So let's use a lot of that. Um, and again, try to try to help out with the whole process of you know not being wasteful and and taking advantage of um, an opportunity there. And that just to just circle back on it, like fruit brandy, like fruit based brandy. When you it's it's pretty delicious. It's it's kind of amazing. <laughs> what you can produce out of, you know, a, a big batch of apples crushed up and let them sit for a few weeks and they turn into hard cider and then run it through the still. I mean, the, there's, there's really, it's, it's really cool how the amount of flavors can come through into the spirit. And, you know, it's, it's, you think about your whiskeys or your, even some of your normal brandies, like you don't really taste, especially for like, if you think about a peach or an apple, you don't really taste the necessarily like the fruit flavor. Um, the stuff we are going to make is, uh, you know, we're, that's the focus is like, let's introduce people back to brandies if they haven't had them before. Introduce those people that are drinking whiskeys right now to the fruit based stuff. There's a ton of characteristics that are obviously related, but there's also those nuances there. So, I mean, with like, barrel aging and, and things like that that we can do with the fruit based stuff that where you know where a normal bourbon or whiskey gets a lot of the flavor from the barrel it, it also transitions into that uh, fruit based stuff and you know it's just it, it to me it's just, it's it's a really cool opportunity to to introduce people to things that um, they may not be familiar with or be a little bit scared of yeah and the thing I the thing I'd add to that to to kind of finish that that where that started is that what we're about is and john said this word now probably 15 times in the last little bit but it's flavor <laughs> so so back to your point about vodkas and even even gins or or you know light beers it's like for us what what we're interested in is creating unique and interesting flavors and so for us that's the that's the the common theme between whiskeys and brandies is you have these really cool uh, vehicles for creating very unique flavors. And, and that's why we're focused on those areas. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a great kind of approach to take on that too, because being able to offer your customers, you know, when, when uh, your tasting room and everything is open, you know, a variety of different things. I mean, because not everyone likes the same things, right? And it just, it broadens the the potential of people who want to come in, enjoy that. Uh, and yeah, the there's no shortage, uh, it sounds like, of, you know, possibilities that are out there. And, you know, the innovation that goes into something like that. I mean, I think that's what, what makes people and business owners successful in, in whatever their venture is, is you know, being innovative, you know, thinking outside the box, how can we do things differently? Um, because, you know, the way it's always been done is, you know, is like, it's just not a great saying to, to kind of live by or to operate your business by, right? Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's do something different. Let's, let's change the way people think about or people's perception of a brandy or a whiskey. And I think that's yeah. what, um, that's what people really want. They want, they want to see something different. For sure. And it's a lot of education, too. I mean, it's, it, you know, people, again, people don't know, you know, most people, like, if you ask what, what's in a brandy, nobody has any idea. Um, you know, what's even to 
for the whiskey area, like a lot of people don't understand necessarily, like it's basically beer. You're distilling beer and that turns into whiskey. You're distilling the side, like I said, but so it, a lot of it's education about just what, what are we actually, you know, how is this made? And I think we're, we're definitely with our space and, and how we're going to, give tours and offer cocktails and all that stuff. A lot of it is going to be that education piece. Like, here's how this is made. Taste this. What do you think? You know, like, here's all the stuff we went through to, to get you here. Do you enjoy it or not? You know, and it's like, you know, people are scared sometimes of trying some of that new stuff. But if you can make a tasty product that's got cool flavors and it's really delicious, like, they're going to they're gonna want to come back. And I think that's where we have, it's interesting, you know, a lot going through this process of, of building out a business. And one of the things people ask us, oh, what are your credentials? What's your background? And I actually think that we have a fairly distinct advantage of being newcomers in the space, right? Like nothing against John, but in 2018, a couple of years ago, he didn't know these answers. And so like that makes a very, like, that makes a very um, aware person who's thinking about, you know, these tours and what people, what questions people might have or what misconceptions people might have. And, and I was the same just a few years earlier. So it's like, I think it's actually an advantage for us to, you know, be relatively new to this space because we, we're kind of, you know, um, bright eyed and bushy tailed when it comes to, you know, the questions people have or the misconceptions and, and, and the things that, you know, a potential consumer might want to know or questions they might have. Yeah. Be able to buck the trend. I mean, you, we're, we're not we're not trying to recreate a Woodford or a Jack Daniels. I mean, let's, we're done, gonna, we're right? gonna we're gonna make our stuff, and it's gonna be good. It's gonna be stuff that we like and that other people like. So you know, there's there's just tons and tons of opportunity to to you know branch off from the the tried and true stuff that's been going on for you know a couple hundred years. Yeah. So Brandon, when you first started off you know, kind of distilling some stuff and experimenting uh, in your basement back in, you know, 2009, 2010. I mean, how long did it take for you to kind of nail down a process uh, to where, you know, the end product was, you know, something that you would like to drink on a regular basis? Oh, I mean, I, I might not even say I'm there yet. That's, and <laughs> I, 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 I joke. It took me a, a couple, a couple of years. And I mean, I was like, I'm, from the beginning I was doing everything the hard way. I was like trying to malt corn and like malt grains in my base. And while I was like traveling for work and malting is like particularly challenging and things get moldy really quickly. And so anyway, like I, I, when I say I tried all the things and made every stupid mistake you could make, like it was, it was a, it was a couple years in before I had something that I could like, you know, take to somebody that, like, Hey, try this. I think this is actually pretty good. And they'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good, you know, uh, but, but the, yeah, the realization that, you know, um, it's a, it's a product that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of and, and, you know, I enjoy and that other people enjoy, but that there's, there's that room for improvement. We're still not at that. We're still not, at, we still haven't reached our, our, our full potential. That's, you know, um, that's the thing that, you know, still, still drives us. And it's still so interesting. I mean, we're getting to the point of like lighting our stills and lighting our, our boiler and things like that now. And it's, you know, we're, we're still chasing that. It's like chasing the perfect, you know, batch, the perfect recipe. And 
Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll get some really good wins and some really good products out of it. But part of me kind of knows I'm never going to get the perfect one. And, and that's kind of what keeps you going, right? Like that's, I think if you look at people who try to strive for, for that perfection, like some of it is like, you never catch it. You never, you're not quite there. And that's what keeps you hungry and driving. Yeah, no, that's, I've, I've heard, you know, essentially that same kind of sentiment echoed from a lot of people who are successful in whatever they're. Uh, given field is is that it, they're just that that the 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 expectation of, of finding perfection they know is always out of their reach and you know uh, what I find with a lot of those people who have that mindset is you know they're kind of like their own biggest critic as well so even if you know in your particular case if a batch comes out and it's great and it's everything that you hoped it would be like you're almost going to find something yourself. Like you're going to nitpick it to death yourself to be like, uh, something isn't quite right here. Maybe we should have done this process, you know, an hour longer or, you know, an hour less. And maybe that flavor would be just a little bit better. Um, or, you know, the, the fruit fermented for, you know, a day too long or, or something along those lines. And you go back to the drawing board, right? And you're like, okay, now I know I can make this better. And then you just keep repeating that same process over and over again. And throughout the, you know, the course of that, you guys are going to probably in my, you know, best estimation is put out some, some really killer, you know, whiskeys and brandies. Yeah. That's the hope for sure. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's always an experiment. It, the cool part is it's like, that's, that's the, you know, there's, there's plenty of science that you can incorporate into this process that says at this sugar level with this temperature and these amount of days and this, you know, out ambient temperature that it's going to turn out to the, like, there's, there's plenty of science that can back up the, just the general process, but there's so much creativity and so much, again, trying stuff out and, you know, shifting things around or they, you know, one of the things is like, you may, you may not love it, but somebody, uh, the majority of other people may love it. You know, that's, that's another part of it. It's like, um, as you're going through and making these products, you know, make it, make it as good as you think it needs to be. And then hopefully the people will agree with, you know, your taste buds essentially. Yeah. And it sounds like this is, uh, and we've kind of covered it a little bit, but with this particular, um, with the processes and the science behind it, I mean, you can kind of stand out and let your own kind of individuality, uh, you know, to some degree, kind of show through your products and, and you know, the way you guys uh, like to distill your products and, and your own process. You know, if you just tweak it from the way everyone else is doing it to give it your own spin. And, you know, I think that, you know, once you guys are, are up and running and, you know, you guys have built this strong, you know, customer client base, I mean, they're going to appreciate, um, like you said, uh, John, the nuances uh, that, that go into distilling and the way that you guys do it and appreciate, um, you know, what you're putting out as opposed to, you know, even, you know, some of these other whiskeys that have been around for, you know, a couple hundred years, you know, they, they like your, your take on, on a particular whiskey or a brandy. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like that your take. It's almost like a cover, right? It's like, oh, this is our, our cover of a song or our take on a song. It's um, if you, if you go from a from a musical standpoint, <laughs> the Beatles nailed it, but we're gonna try we're gonna to give it another give it a twist. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you've mentioned it a few times, but you know, not wanting 
um, to, or, you know, trying to um, eliminate or prevent uh, waste, especially of, you know, produce and things like that. So how, you know, in that kind of, you know, uh, in that arena, how does conservation tie into distilling? Because, you know, a lot of people that I've had on the, on the podcast, you know, whether uh, they're a particular business or they're, you know, an individual member of 2%, a lot of times, whatever they're doing, you can, you can find that uh, direct correlation to the outdoors or to conservation. So how does conservation, you know, just in general tie into everything that you guys are doing at Tierra Distilling? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's um, for us, it's a, a conservation is a sort of a broader concept, it's, sure. you know, than simply just, you know, um, being able to harvest and, and, and pursue or fish, you know, a- animals that you want for the sake of, of that. So for us, it's about, you know, conserving the wild spaces, right. And, and all of the things that go with it. So, so keeping um, wild places, wild, keeping, you know, healthy populations of animals and so like how that manifests for us one is doing our part in a production capacity to be more efficient so there's a lot of things that we're working on um production wise you know we're working on putting solar on our building we're working on we we when, before we had the floor of the of the production space poured we had an old 1200 gallon milk tank put in the basement so we could build a water reclamation system into our process so that instead of heating a bunch of water and then dumping it down the drain and wasting it, we're able to reuse that and build a, build a system that's in way more efficient and, and um, uh, you know, environmentally friendly along the way. And so there's, there's several things that we're doing in a, in that sort of broader sense of environmental conservation that, you know, is better for the planet. And that, that, you know, sort of, First and foremost, I think that the the next level things is, is awareness and like being a part of and we recognize that we kind of stand out a little bit from a lot of the other members of the 2% for conservation, which are focused on, you know, a little bit more of the true definition of conservation for some of those other reasons, which were, I mean, look, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, um, uh, hunting and, and hunt, deer hunting and, and fishing and, and, you know, my my first memories are in the woods, you know, deer hunting. And, and I still do that. And, and I think there's, that's a, a, a really great, you know, place to be and, and really gave us, an, or at least me, an appreciation of, of nature and being in the wild. But we also, you know, don't necessarily just think that, you know, nature is, is, is there for, I mean, we, it should be preserved only for uh, our use, right? Like there's, there's a, there's a protection for, um, you know, nature's own sake. And so um, I think that's a part of, of what we're, we're trying to do as well. And, and, and being a part of 2% for conservation is a big part of that. And, and taking, you know, the proceeds from these rescued fruits and these, you know, unique grains and heritage grains and putting them in bottles and selling them, taking those proceeds and putting them toward things that are, truly more, you know, conservation based um, and, and environmentally friendly is, is sort of the third leg of how we, we view ourselves as a, a conservation organization. It's, it's the, the awareness, but it's also, you know, putting our, our money and our time, um, you know, kind of where our, where our, our mission's at. So, so those are, those are the ways that we kind of translate that, 
um, that distilling and, and making good products into the conservation and the environmental uh, realm. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no, the what you mentioned but, about, you know, conservation or, you know, what you guys are doing with the with Tierra being a, a bit different than some of the other um, businesses that are uh, 2% certified is uh, conservation is is like you said, John, it's this very broad term, right? And it can be, uh, you know, the, the end goal is kind of the same with preserving some type of natural resource, um, you know, for the betterment of, uh, you know, of the future of the species or the habitat, you know, whatever the case is. But that can look different for everyone, right? So yep. just because what I do um, and what you do are different, it doesn't mean that well, you're practicing conservation and I'm not. I mean, it's it, it, it can, it's just like conservation is like this big umbrella, right? And so many things fall underneath it. And I think that's one of the, the, the beauty things of 2% is, you know, if you're, you know, putting uh, your time and your money back to, you know, the betterment of wildlife or wild places uh, or anything, um, you know, like that, they're, you know, they want, they want to, get you on board, you know, they, they welcome everyone. And that's, you know, that's, you know, I guess what really kind of makes 2% um, different than a lot of other organizations out there and what makes their business members different than, you know, any other organization out there and what allows them to have, you know, anything from, you know, a firearm manufacturer to a distilling company to a piano repair company, right? I mean, there's, there's just this huge, um, array of businesses that have made, um, you know, the same commitment to conservation that you guys have. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know, the thing, uh, I think you said it really well, it, it's sort of like the motive. It doesn't matter to me, the motivation. There's, there's so much work to do that, like, there shouldn't be any infighting about the right way to conserve or the wrong way to conserve. Like, right. we're all on the same team. We've all got a lot, a lot of work to do. So let's like, Let's let's not, you know, be nitpicking and let's get down to work and and and, you know, be be doing the, the real conservation, no matter what your motivation or how you define it. Yeah. So how was it that how was it exactly that you guys learned about two percent? Dan Johnson. Yeah, for sure. Dan Johnson. So, yeah, Dan is uh, one of my best friends uh, growing up. I've, I've known him since I think I was in second grade. Um we've been, I was in his wedding. I mean, we, we've been, we've been close for almost, you know, whatever, 30, 30 something years. Um, but I, knowing that what Dan has put into the podcast and what, how he's grown this channel and everything, you know, been following his journey along and trying to help him out as much as I, you know, whatever, I don't, he doesn't need my help, but he's, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've chimed in on uh, some things, but no, he told he told us about it. Um, he, uh, I, I think, when I was living in Iowa, still, um, he's kind of describing this this organization that he just joined up with, and he's you know, one percent of the time, one percent of the money. You know, it just uh, it it was just a, a cool thing to learn about. And then you know, once he got on the board and all that stuff, and became you know all you know the big wig that he is you know we we like hey you know this is obviously part of our vision um with you know our mission to do better for the world to do be as green as we can to you know 
every, sort of every every sort of core aspect that we have. It's like let's get involved with an organization that can reflect that, and that we can be flexible with, and you know, not. I would say you know like what Brandon was saying about conservation is different for everyone. For us, it's, it may be you know for me not much of a hunter. I you know I, I fish and stuff, but like for me, it's like I spend a lot of time in the woods. I, 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 you know, I do a lot of hiking and stuff like that. And I, I want cool places to go see and not be, you know, littered with trash or be, you know, not well kept up. So, I mean, conservation to me may be a little bit different than a lot of the um, other outdoorsmen and hunters out there, but it's, it's all the same. It's, it's the planet, like make it, make it cool, make it a fun place to go and not mess it up. So, you know, it's, the 2% kind of fit into that nicely for us and talking to Jared and everything. It's like, Hey, you can kind of determine your own path here, but also with the idea that th this is your, your pillars of what you, you want to accomplish with a business like this. Yeah. So what are some of the organizations that you guys are, are giving back to and working with? Yeah, we work with, um, we're doing a lot with, uh, so we, we kind of try to mix it up with, um, local and, and a little more national. So we're, we're doing stuff with the Aldo Leopold Foundation out of Wisconsin, big fan of, of that and, and his work and kind of a bend toward, toward education. Um, so them and then, and then more locally, we're doing um, a lot with the DuPage County Forest Preserve and, and, and just what's right near us um, and getting out and volunteering our time. And in the wild places that we do have, they're, they're a little bit few and far between if, compared to where we both come from, but, you know, getting out and picking up trash and, and helping and volunteering where we can just, you know, sort of this idea of like, look, we, we know it's not that in its of itself is not going to change the world, but like it's, it's, it's easy and you can get out and do it and, and doing something is better than, you know, talking about doing something. And so like, yeah. that's, that's kind of the, the, the start of, of where, you know, we're, we're at with, with intentions to kind of grow and continue to, as John said, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities and, and we plan to add to that list, but those, those are the areas we're starting at right now. Yeah. The, uh, the Aldo Leopold foundation, I uh, actually this week, uh, or I just recorded an episode yesterday with Mark Kenyon from wired to hunt. And he is, um, we spent some time talking about a trip that he just took, uh, to the visitor center, um, up there in oh, Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. Up there in Wisconsin. And, you know, he got to, you know, see Aldo, Aldo shack and, you know, walk some of those, same paths and trails, you know, that, that he, that he walked and that he wrote about in, uh, his book. And no, that's, that's super cool. And I like the approach that you guys are taking of, you know, obviously working local because, you know, that's, I mean, that's your own backyard, right? I mean, that's where you guys are spending a lot of your time and that's likely where a lot of your, um, customers and things are going to be coming from. And, you know, there's, you know, probably, you know, pretty high probability that people coming through your doors are going to be, you know, outdoorsmen, outdoors women, any type of outdoor recreationist. And to know that that you're giving back to to the places that, you know, they likely um, are recreating in to some degree, whether it's, you know, hiking through the park or, you know, going on nature walks or whatever the case is, um, you know, and that's something that really kind of helps you guys stand out and differentiate yourself from, you know, some of the other, um, you know, maybe, you uh, competitors or, or like businesses um that are in that area as well yeah 100 percent. so 
We've been going for, gosh, almost an hour here. What, uh, if you can, if you can, uh, no, that's yeah. good because you know, anyone who tunes into this regularly, like they've they've heard all my stories and none of them are, are really all that good. So, I they much prefer to hear my guests, uh, be long winded than for me to be long winded. So, don't worry about that at all. What, um, you guys have said you're you're kind of shooting for, for a May opening, you know, what you know, what is you know, three years, five years down the road look like for you guys. And I mean, are you hoping to, you know, eventually be able to, you know, distribute your products, you know, outside of, you know, maybe just Illinois, maybe the Midwest or, you know, hopefully, you know, at some point down the road become, you know, kind of this national brand and this well-known name? Yeah, it's, um, that's a great, great question. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a thing we've talked about and we continue to talk about and continue to think about, but it's, it's, you know, um, it's also kind of hard sometimes to think about those things when we're like, so in the details of finishing the construction. So <laughs> with, with that caveat, you know, I would say, um, that here, our focus is our, our number one, making our, our building and our location of a, a, a place that people want to come to and a people, a place that people enjoy and that it's an educational and fun and, and that they want to come back to. So like that's like right now, even, even as a three-year plan, like that's first and foremost, taking care of, of the people who are coming in our doors is, is the, the first priority. And then I think all the next things that you just sort of, some of the things you mentioned come out of doing that well, right? So if we do that well, then we can start to have our products available to people in our local, you know, restaurants that we enjoy or that we have. There's a really cool supper club restaurant close to us that we'd love to do a brandy with in the supper club, you know, sort of Wisconsin-esque and, and, and start to service that. And then, you know, as we do that really well, then we can start to service the broader Chicago metro area. And as we start to do that really well, then we can start to, you know, think about going north to Wisconsin or, or west to Iowa or, you know, um, east Indiana or, or whatever it might be. But I think, you know, our our growth strategy is very much like take care of the things that are nearest to us, do them really, really well. Right don't get fooled by these sort of entering a new market for a quick rush of cash and then understanding you can't, you know, support it long-term. And then you in turn kind of alienate your local and your, your dedicated diehard customers. And so that's, I mean, that's our, our very um, high level strategic growth plan. I mean, the other thing that, you know, I, I kind of touched on a little bit was the coffee. I mean, we, we think, you know, and I think that's something that, right now is more of an ambition, but like we think of ourselves in a couple of years as more of a drinks company. Like we've got some ideas for some really like very unique RTD drinks um, that, that, you know, um, John has uh, on tap. So ready to drink or what those are, are called, which is kind of a booming market, but like um, a cocktail in a cans, that kind of stuff. But also, you know, on the coffee side, if there are if there are things that we, um, can do to be a little bit more of a of a of a holistic, you know, drinks company where somebody who comes into our space feels like, hey, you know what, I don't really want to have a drink today. That's cool. Have a coffee, or you know, maybe you want a kombucha or like something, you know, other. I think that's 
where I could see us being in a couple of years if, again, we're doing those basic like blocking and tackling and like, you know, like really treating our customers well and giving them a, a, a superior product and superior experience. That's where I think we could be. And, and if we do that stuff right, then sure. I mean, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit with going to all the states and being scaling. national and scaling and, and that'll come as it goes, you know, but um, for, for now we're focused on those things. Yeah, I love the football reference. <clears throat> by the way, that's uh, that's like that really shows the Midwest in you guys. And being right. being from Michigan, man, I can appreciate that uh, big time. I mean, is there you know, let's say ten years down the road, right? And and things have exceeded all of your expectations, and you're 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 growing and you're scaling um, at a a manageable and reasonable rate. Is there ever, I guess, concern on your end? You know, if you start to, you know, produce this at a much larger scale that you could potentially lose um, like your kind of personal touch on things, your way of doing things. And and, you know, is to me that would as someone who, you know, uh, you know, for you guys, I mean, this is your baby. Right. And you guys are putting all your time, your effort, your energy into this and you're doing things your way and you're putting your own personal touch on things and you know, being creative with it. Is there ever like a, a fear of potentially like losing that down the road if you guys get to, to that scale? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, a little bit like that. It, and I think, I think you said it. Um, if, if you're, if you're not thinking about that and you're, you're not um, worried about that, then it, that's not a priority to begin with. And so, you know, I think at least recognizing that, yeah, that is a, that is a thing that we um, are, are thinking about and are, con- are considering and, and want, you know, want to make a priority. I mean, when we, we, from day one, we've had our sort of uh, strategic and, and um, our, our directional pillars of, and, and one of them is, is style and, and like sort of being who we are and making sure that that comes through in our, in our products. And so, you know, um, actually one of the, one of the things that, um, I learned from where John and I met, which was uh, the software company in, in Madison or just outside Madison, which is a, the, the largest EHR electronic health record company in the country. It's, it's huge. It's massive. And, and nobody really knows them. They're not publicly traded. They've grown slowly and organically and they've, they've kind of stuck to their guns and they've, they've stayed who they are. So, I mean, they're, 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 I would point to them as actually the kind of place where, you know, um, they've, they've been able to scale and grow and, and have success, but still stay grounded and stay who they are. And I think, I think if you're intentional about it, it's something that is, is completely doable, but you're, you're absolutely right. You see these, these brands, especially in the drinks world, you know, you, you've seen it with a lot of craft beers where it's like, oh, they scale and all of a sudden they've lost who they are or their products aren't quite as good or, you know, they're not able to, to differentiate the way that they were before. And so it's certainly something that we think about. I couldn't I couldn't even venture a, a guess of how to, you know, offset that at this point. But, you know, I think it, the first thing is being intentional about it, for sure. And the spirits industry is very interesting with just I, w- I wouldn't call them shortcuts, but there are there are steps you can take to essentially sort of cut out the and I wouldn't say creativity, but like you can you can buy 
if you think about um, a vodka or almost a like a, a really high high octane vodka, you can buy that from you know I mean, it's ethanol plants essentially. There's there's places that they that's all they do is they make they make ethanol at very high very efficient rates, and you can buy that stuff you know in 275 gallon totes. And you can mix that yourself. You can you can add some flavor to it. And again, I don't want to discount it. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you can also source. There's there's companies that make their whiskey and they age it for you. And you can buy it in the barrels and you can mix it yourself and call it your own. There's a lot of nuances with the, the spirits industry where you can, you know, sort of get over the hump of you know we we haven't even talked about it, but. A lot of, you know, you think about a whiskey and think about any sort of bourbon or anything like that. Those are sitting in barrels for years, years and years. And they are curated and they are huge warehouses and they're, you know, rickhouses that they, they store these in. And uh, the the process of like making a, you think of just a four-year bourbon, just a sort of a normal, a normal American bourbon that's four years from the date that you put it through the still that it's got to sit in this barrel. And that's a tremendous amount of overhead to, to be able to, you know, store that and do everything that you need to do. So there's, there's distillers out there that make the stuff basically for you and you can buy it and mix it yourself and call it your own. And that's, that's sort of the, the legal term, as long as you blend it a little bit. So with us, like, you know, and again, not shortcuts, there's, there's awesome stuff out there and there's plenty of distilleries out there that put out great product that's not necessarily made in house, you know, and, you, and people don't really know that. And it's, again, it's, it's stuff I've learned over the last few years about just how a lot of that sourcing goes on. So there, there are, there are opportunities out there to blow up really fast. If you've got a, think you've got a great idea and you can market the heck out of it and get it out in the, into um, people's hands. But that's not to go too far off, but that's, that's kind of not where we're at. We're, we're more focused on like, let's make our stuff. Let's, let's follow our vision. Let's do what we're set out to do. Let's use these heritage grains. Let's use, organic grains let's partner with these local farmers let's get that fruit that would otherwise be tossed all that stuff is like that's that's got to be focus number one and not let all the other you know opportunities quick crash grab stuff because you know we we obviously we're uh, you know we're we're both at the point where you know we've got our regular jobs and we want to turn this distillery into the full-time jobs but like you know let's not we're not in a a huge rush to it's it's not a cash grab i guess and you know like it's it's the exact opposite at this point uh, <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll shut up now i'm sorry <laughs> no no and i think that that's yeah that's the way you have to approach anything that you're passionate about is <clears throat> being very intentional uh, going back to what you said earlier being very intentional um, with your purpose and your mission and, you know, doing things, um, you know, the way that you set out to do them and not, you know, straying from, from your, your plan and your ideas and, and sticking true to, to who you are. So, no, I certainly commend you guys on, 
you know, staying the course uh, throughout the last couple of years when, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of roadblocks and barriers that you guys had to overcome. But, you know, you know, to keep with the football reference, I mean, you guys, you're in the red zone. Right. And yeah, you're, you're just about there. So I'm certainly excited. I've been following you guys along. Uh, I think really ever since um, you guys came on board with 2% and, and you guys do a great job of, um, you know, through Instagram and stuff, um, you know, posting, you know, build updates and, you know, the way that um, the place is coming together. So no, it's been super exciting for me, um, you know, having never met you guys uh, before today, but seeing the progress and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you guys nothing but success. Uh, over the next couple of months here and look forward to uh, seeing you guys get this thing kicked off. Well, we appreciate it. Thank yeah, you for, for following sure. along and uh, hope, hope to see you at the, at the distillery for sure. Yeah. So before uh, you guys get out of here, where can people find uh, Tierra Distilling at? Yeah, you can find, um, you can find uh, our Instagram Tierra Distilling. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Tier Distilling Co. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, um, on our website, tierdistilling.com. Awesome. Well, Brandon, John, it's uh, it's been great, man. I've uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I learned more about Brandy uh, than I ever knew. And um, no, I wish you guys again nothing but success and uh, look forward to seeing you know what the future holds for you guys. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Marcus. It. All right. You take care, guys. All right. Well, thanks again to John and Brandon for joining me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Wild Rivers Coffee, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to follow 2% on social media where they're going to post only uh, positive conservation-driven content in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure and check out theaverageconservationist.com. Get uh, up to date with all of the... um, podcasts that are out there, uh, as well as picking up some new merchandise, some new gear uh, to help support conservation along the way. So as always, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.